Hello, everyone, and we welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Uh, the subject today is Adam and Fallen Man. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, and we welcome you all. So glad you could join us. And I will try to say good morning in Swedish <laughs> since our two newest members are from Sweden. Karen and Summerlit. Okay, here we go. Gut Morgen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and please, if any of you <laughs> are from a country and would like to say good morning, I would be very grateful. All right, our morning prayer. 165 of Miscellany. Goodness never fails to receive its reward, for goodness makes life a blessing. As an active portion of one stupendous whole, goodness identifies man with universal good. Thus may each member of this church rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, what am I? To the scientific response, I am able to impart truth, health, and happiness. And this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The watching point today. <clears throat> Watch number 165. Watch lest you hold your concept of God and your concept of man as two separate parts of your scientific thought, as though you could have a right idea of God and a wrong idea of man at the same time. There is authority for the statement that the phrase, quote, hallowed be thy name, end quote, means man. If this be correct, then with the acknowledgement of God as Father comes the command, to hallow man. If the windshield of your automobile was so dirty that it made everyone you looked at appear to be blurred, the rays of the sun shining through it on you would also become distorted. Quote, love is reflected in love, end quote. Your concept of your brother man determines how divine mind shines to you and through you. Striving to see humanity as God sees them, pure and perfect, opens the way for the love and power of God to flow to you and through you in ever-increasing purity and potency. If, on the other hand, you persist in holding even one individual in a, in a wrong sense without striving to correct it, do not be surprised if divine love is distorted and reversed in your experience. The Bible tells us that Job found the way out of his discord, lack and suffering, when he prayed for his friends, Job 42. His endeavor to see the Christ in others opened the way for the Christ to come to him. Thank you. I love that in the story of Job. It's one of the key verses, I think. Okay, comments on that. 
Well, I looked up the word hallowed. and looked that up in a long time. Um, and it, it said to make, so if we're supposed to be hallowing man, which is man to hallow man, then we're supposed to see man as holy or, or whole and complete, to honor as sacred, then sacred meaning proceeding from God, inviolable, and then inviolable means not to be profaned, ought not to be injured, polluted, or treated with irreverence, not to be broken, not susceptible of hurt or wound. So I thought, wow, if that's how we're supposed to, you know, command to hell a man, then that's how we're supposed to see man, and it can only bless, okay, only can bless me too as I see man that way. Thank you. Sounds good. Sounds mm -hmm. about right. <laughs> and Jesus was asked, you know, what the greatest commandment was. He gave us two, didn't he? Yes. Love God with, Love all, your God with all your heart and your, and your brother man as yourself. Yeah. And he said the second is like unto the first, isn't it? Yeah. So this is totally consistent with this watching point you can't love god supremely and not love his image and likeness the same way and in the lesson you know i love this from um, jesus beheld in science the perfect man who appeared to him where sinning mortal man appears to mortals in this perfect man the savior saw god's own likeness and this correct view of man healed the sick and that's truly how Jesus healed in a nutshell. And and that's how we heal. That's how we heal. Mm -hmm. And as we go about our day, everyone we meet, everywhere we meet, hail, son of God. There's a beautiful uh, Arthur sent us this little video that we put on Noteworthy News about a you know, a man in a wheelchair on the street um, needing money and um, to pay his rent. And someone stopped by and talked to him, asked him his name, expressed love to him, saw him as God's child. And, and the guy asked the man in the wheelchair, could I have a quarter? And, the, and this man had a little cup and he looked like it gave him his last quarter. He said, no, you, you take it. You need it. You take it for the bus. Do whatever you want. <laughs> it was if you watch it, it'll make you cry, so have some tissues. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so then the other man gave him $500 to pay his rent. And, and of course, the man in the wheelchair was just weeping. And um, But it, it shows so beautifully when we love each other how wonderful that is. And, and what was the man's message that... Uh, Let's have peace and love for everybody. Yeah. Color means color means nothing. And in the responsive reading this week, where we get that made, God is made of one blood. All nations can't be any clearer than that, can it? No. 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 Biblical truth. Um. 
on this Mother's Day, this is what we know. Mrs. Evans used to say this was the worst holiday of all because it's, you know, belief you're born into matter and die out of it if, if you're not in the right sense of it. And what do we know in Christian science about this day? God is our father and mother. Absolutely. One father That's it. That's the answer. We're all... We are all brothers and sisters in that regard. Yes. Yeah. We stay with that because there's all sorts of scenarios about, you know, oh, you miss your mother, you hate your mother, you wish you were a mother. I mean, it goes on and on, <laughs> on and on and on. So we, we just stay with the, the truth of being. God is our father and mother. No one ever brought anybody into matter, nor do we die out of it. We must be strong here because even if you think you know it, as a Christian scientist, there's the the general mortal belief going on today. I I mean I feel it. I know others of you have felt it. Um, all of this stuff. Um, and it's a deadly belief, and it has to be handled. It does. You can't be kind of warm about it and say, "Oh, isn't that nice?" But it doesn't relate to me. Well, no, it's not nice. <laughs> and it and we need to know it doesn't relate to anybody anywhere. Otherwise. People, I mean, a lot of people maybe are rejoicing and so happy about it. And other people are in their bedrooms crying their hearts out. Either way, it's 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 human. human. It's very interesting. Sorry. Go, please go. No, it's interesting that there's a lot of uh, conflict with mothers, and it's almost like is this is this this hatred or opposition to the mother love of God, the mother love that Mrs. Eddy. Um, so well portrayed to all mankind. Thank yeah, you very thank much. You. Yes. And a yes. lot of people are in a quiet kind of misery, wondering, is this all there is? And the answer is no, this is not all there is. There is a wonderful God who is our mother, father, and mother. And we know, when we know that, it brings such peace. Um, Carrie had sent me, I, I, I know I'd read it before, too, the history about this day, the person who started it. Uh, she she wasn't even a mother, but she did it be, because there were so many, quote, holidays for men. She wanted to have a holiday for a woman. <laughs> and in the lesson um, about uh, man shall rule over thee, <laughs> which I know we all object to in Genesis, the second chapter of Genesis about women. So she she was having this holiday for women, but then she said later when she realized how commercial it had be become, she totally retracted the whole thing. Didn't want it to, to be that way. So um, anyway, we just all know this truth for ourselves and for everyone everywhere, and it will have a great um, blessing for all mankind to know this truth. That's That's all we know about this day and we should know it about every day right and we'll rise above the mist rise above the mist yes that's right Shardell has a she has a calendar quote on her refrigerator that says um you know basically not only sunday is holy every day is holy so. yes every day is holy and we make it holy by knowing these truths and staying out of um the Adam dream. And that's what this lesson is about and what we'll talk about today, that we stay, I say, stay in the Father's house. 
Because if you don't stay in the father's house, if you acknowledge you have a human mother that you love or hate or that you are a human mother that was good or bad or whatever other scenario, um, you're, you're stepping out of the father's house. No, you don't want to do that. Father, mother, God, mm. all harmonious. And I, I love in the watching point where it says if you, you have those wrong thoughts, then divine love is distorted, reversed in the experience. Because as I learned to unsee all that stuff and get the better sense, it has been easier to love people. Yes. And not just my kids. (laughs) Well, that's it. Your love becomes all inclusive. We go to the universal. Universal. Universal love. Everyone, everywhere. Um, Also, before we get any more into the lesson, I wanted to to make a comment about a comment. this was on a, the YouTube comments under the testimonies from Wednesday, May 4th meeting. And it says, thank you for all you do. Much appreciated. Please know that a ton of people are afraid to type comments. Christian science members are afraid, generally speaking, and most don't realize it. Their fear is latent. They are controlled. You are not. Well done. Thank you. It's very important. She saw something, which is absolutely true, and I'm I'm addressing it because if any of you have fear like this, you must see it in yourself and root it out. Um, it, it, what are, what are we afraid of? You're afraid that Boston is going to see you? <laughs> what is that? Your fear? Oh my gosh! Holy moly! <laughs> Are you afraid of that? Some of the fear, too, is, uh, I can't think of the word, but when uh, you're rejected by the group, there's a word for it. Um, Ostracized? uh, uh, No, it's a word for when you're excluded. They do it in... Shunned. Shunned. Outlier? Outlier? It becomes shunned, and and shunning is a tool that's used to control people, that they feel like they're not going to be accepted or... I've been in the group, and then uh, we've seen this with other members who are people who've come and got excited and took it back to their churches, and then they were, it was not accepted, and they were almost shunned. Mm-hmm. It happened to my grandmother many, many years ago. She right. came and visited, met Mrs. Evans, and got very excited about what was going on here in Plainfield, and she went back to Puyallup, Washington, to her church where she was the organist, and she told all her friends about it, and they didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I lost some of my friends because I joined this. <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, my old church, yes. Yeah. yeah, well, we've all had that kind of experience. I know I certainly have. <laughs> Members of my family <laughs> had no contact with because of my membership in the church here. But they eventually came around. They eventually saw the truth, and they respected it. And while you may lose so-called friends, were they really friends? Or were they obstacles in your spiritual growth? And Mrs. Eddy says, you know, the, the people may hate what you do, but, but they will eventually respect what you do. How many friends and and family members did Mrs. Eddie lose? 
All of them. <laughs> All of them. Exactly. So it, it sort of comes with the territory. But then if you are afraid, I mean, what, what kind of friends are these or what kind of group or organization is this that you're afraid of it? I mean, why, do, why would you want to be a part of something you were afraid of and, and to get after this latent control, as this woman said? It's, it's so true. And whether, you know, you're afraid, afraid to give a testimony, afraid to write something on YouTube, afraid, afraid, check yourself. Ask yourself, what are you afraid of? And remember, go back to you have no power over me unless it's been given to you by God. If we were all afraid, all our testimonies would be shut down. This church would be shut down. We can't be afraid. Are we worried? Dwell in, the, dwell in the 91st Psalm. Dwell in the 91st Psalm. Really, it's wonderful. And I, I'm, I truly appreciate what Bliss Knapp did with it. It's wonderful. Yeah. They have yeah. to have self-worth because yeah. uh, if you don't have it, you think that what you say is unimportant and what you want to do is unimportant. Uh, and uh, when you think another organization has control over you, then they become, you become inferior or, you know, subordinate. And so, because I, I, when I came here, it was, I had no issue with, Dropping out of the membership of the, of the mother church immediately, because uh, I, had, I had I had no feeling of any so you know bonds or uh, inferiority subordination to them. Excuse me, but if, if they don't have self worth, they they going to feel like uh, who am I? Why should I have something to give? Say all that too. Yeah. Well, anyway, just examine yourself. You should you should fear no man. If if you don't want to say or do something, you know that's fine. But as long as it's not out of fear, and, and then you can't speak the truth to the situation because the organization has people so controlled they can't speak to what's wrong. And yeah, that's how they out keep, of fear. Yeah, out yeah. of fear. Yeah. It's and it and they do. There when I was working as a Christian Science nurse, there was definitely a sense of you were being watched and reported on and it was unacceptable and it did it made people feel and they would hide what they were doing and they would hide these wonderful things like precepts and stuff i remember as a young person seeing people you know scooting around and hiding under the you know and whispering about these papers that they had or these books that they read and they couldn't they didn't want anyone to know what they were doing it was always in secretive and then this and then it was amazing how fast gossip would spread or reported on people and then you would be come to black sheep or something if it were found out you were doing anything that was hmm. unacceptable. Well, if you're whatever organization you're part of, if if they start acting like East Germany during the right, yeah, yeah. Run, <laughs> yeah. that's probably a bad that's a red flag. flag. Red flag. That's a red that's flag. That's exactly so. how I would describe it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, how I love my old child. <laughs> this ringer on it, and he bought one for it. <laughs> so, so when there's a red flag, we will ring it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's a that's a red flag. I told someone this week um, that when we were uh, going through the trial, the law case, and we had to work in the reading room. Some of us did. Um, 
we would get phone calls from people who asked all these questions, but they wanted to be anonymous. Okay, so we were told anyone is anonymous, you don't talk to them. If they cannot say who they are, if they're so afraid, then don't talk to them. And I, and we, I follow that to this day. Come on out of the shadows. We have, we are. Um, and anyone who has any questions about anything can ask us because we're totally open about it all. <clears throat> nothing to hide. There's nothing to hide. If I had anything to hide, I'd be in deep trouble. And you're not being disrespectful to Mrs. Eddie. That would just because you're standing up to the organization. That yes. Two separate things. Oh my goodness. Yes. So anyway, I, I thank whoever that person was. If she should happen to be listening today. Um, thank you. For- <laughs> I think prayer, though, through prayer, you are, you will be led to do what you have to do. Because I remember before I joined this, uh-huh. I was ambivalent. There's a, a, an ambivalence, not necessarily fear, but it's more, it's more like you don't want to go out there openly for some reason. I don't know. But through prayer, you are led to do what you have to do. You get the courage to do what you have to do. I know many people who probably want to join this church, um, and that's why I think Mrs. Evans did not publish name, uh, the initials or something only for some time. But one does move forward if you, oh, yeah. if you align your thought with God. That's what I, I know. We we still do. Thank you, Florence. We still do. We'll use initials or just the state. If people don't want their names written, we totally respect that. We do. We understand. But um, I'm. I guess my point is, if everyone was afraid, we wouldn't have a church. We wouldn't have any of this. We, we'd be just too afraid. Malpractice is a belief that there is a power apart from God, and it can only operate if you are a malpractitioner. And by that I mean. If you are hateful, if you are out of the Father's house, if you are hateful, resentful, jealous, whatever the list of the carnal mind, if, if you are entertaining those beliefs, the malpractice will find you because you believe the malpractitioner is real and, and you become in this dream world. So don't malpractice. <laughs> Love everyone. Don't be upset over things. Love. You can have certainly righteous indignation, but with love, always with love, not with hate. And you will you will be in the secret place of the Most High, and all the promises that God gives in the 91st Psalm are yours. And everyone who dwells there, don't go out into the Adam dream and think you're going to slay the dragons uh, humanly, with human will or human force. No. There's a beautiful... I didn't bring it, but Gary's been reading from the first edition. And when Jesus was uh, up to be crucified, it said he didn't use any of the carnal mind weapons. I forget how it was said. Nothing. He didn't use the world's weapons. Yeah, to defend himself. To defend himself. So he allowed them to attempt to murder him. And he overcame them all with God's weapons with the spiritual truth that life is eternal and he proved it so to be fearful fear and love cannot exist in the same consciousness at the same time in john we read perfect love casteth out fear so for those who for if there's anybody here who is still fearful that they're being watched and they're afraid 
of somebody watching them. I had, I just have this ad, ad, advice. Love them. Pity them. Love the hell out of them. So Reg Carey would say, love the hell out of them. You don't have to approve of what they do. But if you love them, and if you can't really love them, pity them for being misled, for using their position for wrong purposes, whatever, but love them, and you will, and you will not fear them, and you won't make a god out of them, and you'll be much, much happier and much more useful to God. Yeah. When I was new, I told practitioner that I don't talk in front of a large group, so I would not be giving testimonies. And she laughed, and she said, when you're grateful, she said, you will give a testimony. Yes. And that just broke the fear. Yes. <laughs> yes. She told all of us. <laughs> no, I was I was not going to testify. Luann was not going to testify. Many of us here were not going to testify. You love enough. And you're grateful enough, you will testify. Again, what if we all fell down to those arguments? It'd be no church. We must act, Mrs. Eddy said, we act as if we were the only Christian scientists on earth. Our responsibility. Mrs. Eddy, I mean, says, and it, it helped me because I thought I was like the, the least of anybody here for many years. And she says, and it helped me. She said, God gives the least spiritual idea might uh, immortality and goodness or something. Thank you. And I said, you know, at least I got that. You know? <laughs> I love that. I use that a lot from Mrs. Eddie. Thank you. So that's just an excuse if you think you're, you know, no good or can't do it. That's an excuse. We just rip away the excuses. I was once going to write a whole book on people's excuses, <laughs> and it would be a whole book. So, no. And my goodness. Craig, the least. Oh my gosh, what a lie that is! Yeah, who's reading the Bible today? Yes, yeah, he's one of our. Oh, no. just error. part of that rule in Mrs. Eddie's household was that excuses are intolerable. It, absolutely, absolutely. There, you have no excuse. Okay, no excuse for any of this business. Not in this church. Nope. Got to do what you should. No excuses. God tells you to. No excuses. Also, you find when you come here, everyone here is rooting for you. You know, nobody's trying to shut anyone down. Yeah. We're rooting for you to yeah. speak up and say and, and grow. That's it. And people who can't do that end up leaving on their own. Because the rebuke to their personal sense, the rebuke to their materialism or whatever is too great for them. All right, Lily, in our golden text. God created man in his own image, and God blessed them. Now, that's a very profound. I told everyone this week, you know, just to dwell in that idea, you're his image. That's a, I mean, that's awesome. And so what is his image? So well, for me, I go back to Mrs. Eddy's definition of God. And that all-knowing, all-seeing, all-acting, all-loving, all-wise, eternal, all that God is, you are. 
as you were created, Genesis 1. And to just dwell on that and think about what that means. Um, you think you, you're lacking in something. How can you if you're God's image? You think you, you're, you look bad. <laughs> how can you if you're God's image? Lacking in health or supply. How can that be when you're God's image? Image is exact likeness. If it's not true for God, it's not true for man. Thank you. Now, Lillian always yeah. will say that. It's a good, <laughs> a good healing statement of truth. And then blessed, um, made happy, enjoying spiritual happiness and the favor of God, prosperous. That's what it means to be blessed. And dear Stacy, she wrote to me, um, I didn't quite understand it at first, but the, the difference between blessed and blessed and beloved and beloved. And blessed is the verb, and blessed is the noun. Blessed are those who have been blessed. And we, as God's image and likeness, have been blessed. It's the truth. And we are God's beloved, because God is love. God. We are beloved of God. So we have plenty of time to think during the day. We're always thinking something. So as the as I sang last week, think on these things. Think of being the image of God, his exact likeness. Whatever ails you, my friend, that will heal it. You get deep into that and that you are blessed. Made happy, enjoying spiritual happiness and favor from God. Prosperous. It's all just in one simple Bible statement. And then it goes on. You know, we he giveth all life. Your life is in God, not in matter. You don't have to check your body to see if your life is going to be okay. You check how your relationship with God. Mrs. Eddy says he is our one relative in heaven and on earth. He's our great physician. He's all things to us. Our breath. We have trouble breathing. No. God gives us breath, breathing. It's all in him. He gives all things. Nothing he doesn't give us. For in him we live and move and have our being, for we are also his offspring. Our inheritance is from him. The beautiful, good, and the pure constitute our ancestry. Think on these things. Now, in order to be an image, what must happen? I remember Stefan, he, he sent us some beautiful pictures for the newsletter on a, a lake reflecting, right? Yes. It has to be totally still, doesn't it? To have the exact image. You, it can't be agitated, ruffled, agitated, upset. That's the importance to keep your equanimity. 
Keep your poise. Keep your window pane clean. Yes. So you can be that image and likeness, that reflection. Um, I thought Kenrick wrote something interesting in the forum about, um, well, sin is disordered love, loving finite things more than the infinite God. And then technology, which prizes and promotes whatever is new and innovative, is a gale force wind against contemplation. <laughs> so, Kenrick, you want to say anything to that? I thought it would definitely ruin your pure reflection, your calm reflection of things. So, be careful of your technology, letting it just come flying into your house on your phone or wherever, computer, and take you off balance, off guard. Get rid of your calm, peaceful, pure reflection. So recently, this is it. He said, and human invention will even have its day, but it preceded by more Christian science. Thank you. Absolute Christian science. Yes. And, and the first edition is that human invention will have its day, and we want that day done. <laughs> right, right, that's right. We want, we want that over with. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. In the first edition? In the first edition, yeah. yeah. Wow. I had a hard time not laughing while Gary was recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she's quite, uh, what's the word? I call it raw in the first edition. She doesn't mince words. So, well, she um, wrote it down as it, as it was revealed to her directly from God. So she knew what it meant because she was there writing it down. Then she had to make adjustments to it to make it, you know, clear to other people. And reach people where they were, where they are. Which it does. Okay, of course, when doesn't give you much time to even consider anything else by getting out of the way. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, she's talking about you're in a situation and you're being almost forced to use this for necessities purposes, you think? Gail, force, and technology is just being forced, forced on people? Well, this is Kenrick's words, oh. not Meredith. Oh. Yeah, yeah, this is Kenrick's, but, but he was, you know, making that point. It can disturb your peace if you, if you let it. Well, you know, human invention, um, can, can be progress too. I mean, we use, we use technology here to spread the word of God around the world and the internet enables us to do that. Hmm. Technology will use you. If but you if, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have a clear purpose, it will, right, it will use you and overtake you and corrupt you if it could. Well, everything is only supposed to be pointing us to God anyway. It's really, how it, what is this telling me about um, communication from God? It's not this thing. It's what are we supposed to be getting out of it as far as what we're learning something about God? And then after we've gotten that, then we can let the it, it go. 
But that's all it really serves, um, is to point us to him, not to the object itself and how wonderful man is and how smart he is to come up with these things. It's, you know, it's what is it telling me about God? Yeah, that keeps us in the the Father. That is the test, yes. And Jeremy, what did you write us about benediction? Oh, yeah, the the fourth citation talking about, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. Until thou return to the ground, I just, yesterday I just was thinking about the word uh, malediction, you know, which is, like the opposite of benediction, benediction being the act of blessing, uh, giving a praise to God and rendering thanks for his behavior, for his favors. Malediction is evil speaking, denunciation of evil, a cursing, curse or execration, which execration is the act of cursing. And I thought it was interesting. Denunciation is very different than Denounce, denouncing. <laughs> it's like the opposite. So, so I thought what an awful lot it is that this would pronounce on us if we don't, you know, if it had power to actually give it. But we, we learn in Christian science it doesn't have power. So we can stand Porter every time it tries to come on. Thank you. And K- Carrie had sent me a beautiful article called Benediction by a Mary. Cummins, and she writes, there are few words in the English language more beautiful than the word benediction. Its literal meaning is good saying or utterance of blessing, and it is associated in the thought of many of us with such comforting passages from the New Testament, and then she lists some of them. And there's no such thing as as God condemning his uh, creation. And that how wonderful it is that um, that as we go about our day, we put benedictions on people everywhere we go. It's what we started out talking about. Hail, Son of God. And how powerful that is. And I know we talk about in the South, they say, have a blessed day to go. <laughs> Stacy was talking about blessed, that your day will be blessed. If you say it with true meaning, I know that that person will be blessed. But put a benediction on everything, everywhere you go. It's it's powerful. And they're beautiful benedictions in the Bible. We end our service with a benediction, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Salespeople in stores used to always say, have a good day. Yes. As, as you left. Mm-hmm. Please, I still do. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then... There was a, um, you know, in, in Genesis at first, it talks about the let there be light. And uh, another beautiful, these can be put on the carousel because I can't read them all, but um, it's a Persian allegory by Mamot. And this article is written by a John S. Krenlin. And it talks about a Mamot, the Persian, builded him a house long after the Adam dream, long after the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And my mouth was glad for all he saw was good. And the sun smiled in kindly approving upon all within. And it, it goes on. But then 
One day, Mahmoud is very upset because one of the rooms is filled with darkness. And <laughs> he sort of um, goes after the sun and said, you know, how could this be? One of my rooms is all dark. And the sun says, these mortals never speak, always speak to me in riddle. Come and tell me what is dark. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that Mahmoud was uh, entertaining some not so good thoughts, right? And that blocked the sun from shining into the room, as it always will. And this is why the importance of keeping that light shining, the thoughts that he were entertaining were unloving, unkind thoughts, and uh, e even about the creation all around him. And so the son scolded him, <laughs> told him that was why he couldn't he couldn't penetrate that wall he'd built for himself of those unkind thoughts. And so when we think we, we can't feel God or hear God, chances are we're entertaining something that's not of God. It, it, and especially fear, because fear is acknowledging there's a power other than him. And you can't serve two masters at the same time. Check your thinking. It's always the thinking, yes. So it's a beautiful story, and we'll put that on the website. I didn't can't read all of it, because then I want to read it. There's another very beautiful one, too. Um and this is about staying in the Father's house and how we do stay there and how we can tempt it to be tempted to leave it. Mrs. Evans used to always tell us a story about a, a woman who was very beautiful and young. And but anyway, she was tempted to go into this room smelling flowers. And each time she smelled a flower, she would become pricked and she kept, but she kept going farther and farther into the house, even though she was told, not to, to come out, to come out. And then when she did come out, she was an old lady. And then it goes on how she speaks to a beautiful angel and is healed. But Carrie found this article, which I'll have Gary read, because it's very beautiful. It's called The False Way and the True by a Dazette Stocking. And um, Dazette Stocking eventually married William McKenzie after like a 10-year courtship and um, it's so sweet. And anyway, it's a, it's a very beautiful story from an 1894 issue. And I would just like to say that because um, I saw this actually happen. There was a couple in our church for a long time. They did good work. But when they could, they left. And they left being allured by the call of materiality. All right. It wasn't just that they left and maybe felt God wanted them to do other things in their life, but they got caught up in a lot of things that as Christian scientists, they should have known not to indulge in. It was sort of like the prodigal son, perhaps. But years later, when they returned, and they did return, I did not recognize them when I saw them in the parking lot because I asked God's forgiveness for seeing age, but they, they looked like different people. They'd grown so old. They had left the father's house, and that had subject them to all kinds of the beliefs of mortal mind, because that's what happens. And maybe they, you think you're having fun doing worldly things that you know aren't of God, 
but are you really? Are you really? And eventually, and very sadly, they came to an untimely end. Um, and I, I only say this to as a warning. All of these are just examples of what to do and what not to do. <clears throat> so Gary will read this article called The False Way and the True. And remember to stay in the Father's house, not to go into the dream of the Adam dream. All right? No one wants to go there. It's, it's no fun. The article reads, A child once stood at the door of a beautiful palace. To her wondering gaze, it looked like magic within. All lights and color and flowers. A desire seized her to go in and catch the odor of all that world of bloom. A voice from within urged her to enter. Look at the lilies, it said. The lotus, the orange flowers, the perfume will lift you into ecstasy. Come. Just as she was about to enter, another voice, gentle and firm, from without whispered, Do not yield to that desire. In the heart of every flower is an adder, and you will be wounded. There is no real joy there. The child paused. But a strain of music caught her ear, and she darted in. All round her, the beauty and light seemed perfect, and the flowers waved her a welcome. She turned to a bed of glowing blossoms and stooped to inhale the delicious fragrance, when quickly, from beneath the leaves, flashed the glitter of a serpent, and the child recoiled in terror and pain. You chose the wrong flower, said the voice. Go on to others. There are no more serpents. All will harm you, came the soft voice from the doorway. Doorway, Oh, do not go farther. But on and on she wandered, ever a moment of hope that the next flower would hide no adder, thrust, even a pang of sorrow, pain, and disappointment. Ever the voice within, with fair promises, urged her to go on. Ever the voice at the door, though growing fainter, besought her to return. The lights grew dim, the color faded, the flowers drooped, and in the gathering dusk, an aged form, wrinkled and sad and worn, passed out of the door to the sound of a mocking laugh from the voice within. As she painfully crept down the marble steps, lo, a woman stood before her, and her face shone like the angel of an immortal. The weary outcast stretched out her hands and touched her shining garments. She, had, she heard again that voice of ineffable sweetness, and her youth returned, and the pain was gone, and the fear-filled clouds of night rolled away. Who art thou, O glorious revelation? she cried. In accents of glowing tenderness came the answer. My name is Science. I wait for thee in love. Yonder is the palace of human belief. When thou didst desire to enter it, I warned thee. But when thou couldst not believe me, thou didst go on to find for thyself all, that all therein is false. 
If thou couldst have listened to my word, this pain would have been spared thee. The flowers are self-will, self-love, personality, passion, flattery, ambition, admiration, pride, vanity, pleasures of sense. If thou stoop to inhale the atmosphere of any of these, thou must feel the sharp sting of betrayal, pain, wounds, and disappointment. Oh, henceforth place thy hand in mine, thou child of God, and I will show thee the secret place of the Most High. Set not thy mind on things on the earth. Spirit fills thy desires, and before thee is spread all the fairness of thy Creator's universe. If thou wilt but lift thy gaze above matter, into the eternal sunshine of mind's celestial day. Waste not one thought on the illusions of time, sense, and mortality. Not one of their pleasures is real. But I, divine science, if thou follow me, will show thee that man is the image of his God, that, and that all things are put under his feet. Under the rays of infinite truth, thou shalt see thy sorrow, thyself, thy sin, thy pain melt away, and thou shalt know that thy disappointed desire was only an elusive dream, for love has supplied all thy need. It's a beautiful story, a beautiful lesson to think about. And, you know, we as Christian scientists... We should know better than to do this. It's one thing you don't know better, but when you know better and still do it, then the penalty becomes higher. In, in uh, Science and Health, Citation 1, it says, God made man in his own image. You were made in his image, as we talked about the golden text. But you were made in his image to reflect the divine spirit. Reflect is to throw back the light. This is your purpose. Your purpose is to reflect the divine spirit. On page 141 in um, the Red Book, Mrs. Eddy says about the prodigal son, man taking his gift of intelligence, wisdom, etc. from God and using them for his own purpose, dipping into the senses, etc. until they are dry. We must turn from our conception of man so that truth may form and fashion us anew. This is the first creation. This is a reflection of God. We don't use our talents for our own selfish purposes. This is what uh, Florence began the meeting with in her prayer, right? You still have that? Mm -hmm. You want to read the, what our, our purpose is? Oh, yes. Yeah. All of it, or just uh, that part? Just that. Just that that may each member of this church rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, what am I? To the scientific response, I'm able to impart truth, health, 
and happiness. And this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. Thank you. Perfect. That will keep us all in the Father's house. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.